1: Jim, you like a night out at the movies, don't you? I do, yes. What's the worst part of the movie-going experience?
0: It's the overpriced popcorn. Nope. It is the people texting in the middle of a movie. Uh Uh-uh. It's got to be fighting your way to the free urinal after a four-hour-long Hobbit movie, then.
1: Close. All right, I give up. Standing in line for the privilege of buying your tickets from some snot-nosed punk in a red vest. You're right. That is the worst. Good news. There's an easy way out. Go to fandango.baldmove.com and print your tickets at home or present your e-tickets on your mobile device and breeze right through the lines like a VIP and never worry about a movie being sold out again. Fandango.baldmove.com. (laughs) Fandango.baldmove.com. welcome to the bald move
0: tv podcast the officially unofficial podcast for all the tv i'm jim and i am aaron uh this week we're talking about several shows all from hbo because we are hbo whores at we this are. point we are. uh, uh but most of the stuff i watch i think is on hbo at this point uh hbo go is just so convenient man
1: yeah, no. I swear it's, we're it's, not paid to say this. I know. It's, like, I just love it. I feel like that it's a, you have to pay a pretty steep price to get HBO Go currently. Yes. They're working on divorce on that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that uh, my HBO money is worth it just for HBO Go alone. It's incredible. It's yeah. incredible. So we'll be talking about
0: The Newsroom. We'll be talking about Sonic Highways, which is Dave Grohl's new thing. And we'll be talking about olive branch kitty ranch olive oil olive oil kitty ranch
1: yes that's exactly right olive 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 kitteridge
0: (laughs) okay uh which i have not seen but i've seen the other two yeah Um, so you'll kind of fill me in i have no idea what that's about
1: yeah i can't wait to talk about it i've been on an emotional roller coaster with that fucking show huh okay i laughed i cried i paid 9.99 for hbo go (laughs) uh where do you want to start uh, you pick, I pick. Okay, let's Not start all with Cotteridge. Cotteridge,
0: kidrich uh, All right, uh, we'll leave the Olive Branch for later. Newsroom.
1: Okay, let's start with the newsroom. I, I, I really like this episode. I did too. I, I, I started in kind of like f- settling in for a hate watch mm-hmm. because they just opened up with Mac. With her nine bridesmaids, and it's, like, shit just designed to get me whipped up in a frothing lather.
0: Yeah, that's that's the part of this season that I feel like I'm not going to appreciate in any, any way. Any part about
1: the relationships.
0: Yeah, I want to hear about the news. I want to see what they're going through
1: uh, in their jobs. Yeah, and I, it seems like they're possibly setting up another love triangle between Maggie and... Uh, what's that guy's name pat something no idea uh I, no
0: idea who's who anybody's name is including uh no dan mcavoy he's the will will mcavoy will, will, see see i <laughs> no idea who anybody is named
1: yeah i know like sloan is the extremely attractive financial uh reporter okay she's dating this douchebag which i'm gonna call the douchebag uh, with the slick back hair Yeah, yeah yeah uh and then you've got uh, it was a Sam Waterston. He's the prosecutor from Law and Order. Uh, uh-huh. I, He's got I that. So. so yeah, oh my God, this is going to be actually worse than I thought. I but no, I I and I was kind of jarred by some of the inappropriate comedy. Like they're given the context is the Boston bombing, Boston yeah. Marathon bombing, uh-huh. and Will is giving this comic relief, bumbling motivational speech to the troops for this event uh-huh. and it felt kind of gross but by the end of the and i don't know what you yeah. would think if you were a boss tonight because i know that was that's that, that's still a pretty pretty raw wound for them sure uh but it just felt kind of somehow inappropriate but then by the time like i i love everything about them, the actual news reporting aspects of it this is like how you wish news was ran how you wish news was handled how you you secretly hope that the, the people that are making the news and then you watch yeah you watch like all the major networks on election night and they're just they're just so bad yeah they're calling the election before there are any results in, it's and, not, like, not just... even that. It, it, it's like they're magic walls and they're big boards and they're oh all this yeah, yeah. stuff and it's just all the same and and it's just so artificial and so on point branded it's I I just feel like journalism is in a crisis today.
0: Sure, sure. And that's kind of what this is about. I mean, this this whole show has been about that. But didn't you think it's interesting?
1: Because so the crisis is the old school journalism is corrupt and a dinosaur. But new school journalism is essentially a digital lynch mob. And they made that point very well about how like Twitter and Reddit (laughs) wrongfully accused a man who had nothing to do with it Mm -hmm. and uh, forced the law enforcement agencies to disclose information before they wanted to just to quell the mob. That's a huge problem. Yeah. But on the other hand, mainstream media uh, does a very terrible job at doing any kind of, you know, persistent in-depth reporting on anything. It's very surface level. Oh, we're shocked about this tomorrow or today. Tomorrow we'll forget about it. And, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how, well, well, how you fix it at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, so that's, that's partially a symptom of the 24-hour news cycle. I mean, that's a problem. Um, there are outlets who are doing it right. I think, like, New York Times is still one of those that is doing investigative journalism yeah. in, in a very, very good way. Uh, they're even struggling, though. You know, yeah. e- even though the work that they do seems to be really solid... They're having trouble staying afloat uh-huh. and and being able to do that work financially. So, mm-hmm. like, I, it, Aaron Sorkin obviously has an opinion on this. Sure, <laughs> uh, he he takes a stance, like you said, that the the kind of Twitter Reddit crowd uh, just going rogue and doing whatever they want is a very bad thing in right. a lot of cases. Uh, yes, they did break the story first, but it, it, is that all you care about in your news? hearing about it first i would rather hear about the correct thing and that's kind of where will's coming from and everyone in what is their network like aen or something like that acn i think acn everyone in that network is very concerned about getting the facts correct sure and that comes before everything and i think it should right because you see the consequences in this episode of not getting the facts correct and jumping to conclusions and that becomes a
1: massive problem for real world people but then you also have the character of dev patel uh that's not his character that's the who portrays him. i'm not sure exactly what the his yeah. name is but um he's very new media and uh-huh. everybody kind of makes fun of him and he's also conspiracy theory yeah yeah um yeah. but on this in this area he kind of finally pays off and there is a little bit of this you know uh what what's the julian assange
0: yeah, uh WikiLeaks, uh, WikiLeaks sort Leaks, of deal,
1: mm-hmm. open secrets type of thing where, you know, we heard the term air-gapped computer about a million times yeah. this episode. I'm super interested to see where that goes.
0: Uh he got himself in a lot of hot water at the end of this by having accidentally committed
1: espionage. Yeah, essentially, uh, by just m- m- suggesting that they put it he you know, it's like I think the guys have te- intent. He's giving the guy technical support essentially. Yeah, But now he no longer went from a disinterested party accepting information he had no to actually requesting this information. Yeah. He asked for a couple documents, and that's... Which, I th- another thing I think this episode did a great job is setting up a- multiple horns of dilemmas for our crew, cast yep. and crew. And that's something I think this thing has struggled with for many seasons, At the stakes seem to be largely Will's ego, or Jane Fonda's pocketbooks. Uh, mm-hmm. um, whereas now, it's like... That stuff is all aside. They've everyone's uh, even the the top corporate people are committed to doing the news right, uh-huh. but the company seems like it's under attack by some sort of insider trading, hostile takeover. Yeah, and and you know they're in
0: financial hot water in this episode. Like their their numbers are down. They didn't hit anywhere near the goals. You, did
1: you get the fact that there this is a manipulation of the market? Yes, that uh, Sloan's
0: uncovered. Sloan, yeah, has uncovered that. Uh, sure i got it they, they set up a lot of cool stuff that i'm really interested in like i actually care about some of these characters now mm-hmm. even having not seen season two mm-hmm. uh just coming over from season one there's still a lot of people in there uh i don't know if her name is chloe or zoe or Doey, eyes whatever um the girl who's working out in this episode oh the blonde girl maggie maggie okay
1: uh who went I'm, full so so what you missed last year is there was a a foreign did she have a nervous breakdown yeah she, she kind of she was in that that stage she went full on drag girl with the dragon tattoo because okay. she went to a <laughs> okay. country and she saw a kid get shot and like oh boy uh she she came back she cut off all her hair she dyed it cherry red she started wearing leather and getting p- piercings in her nose i don't think what she actually the did the piercing in her nose everything else is true I uh, and just acted erratic and you know like it's it's a major life-changing experience like i'm sure it would be simultaneously uh, the newsroom got into some trouble uh they were deliberately humiliated by uh some sort of national security apparatus guy who was mad at them for not giving his son a very uh a promotion or a shot at the newsroom so it's the kind of low stakes bullshit i don't yeah. really care about and then then on top of it they had they'd hired a guy who um deliberately doctored video evidence he was like this hot shot producer and he deliberately uh uh doctored video a video interview that okay. made it made it seem like uh, their source confirmed something that he did not confirm. Yeah, and he got yeah. found that because there's a basketball game going on in the background, and I can't remember who of the newsrooms geniuses. Uh, and they like saw the cut, or something. they actually, yeah, they're able to figure out that he actually did the cut, and huh. it was like this, and, and it was interesting because it's it was set by. Um, it's kind of Memento style where every episode had this recurring thing where the lawyers were deep de- deposition everybody. Hmm. And then you'd have that was going on in the current event and then you'd actually have the past events slowly leading up to oh, the thing I that see. got them into that hot water. Okay. But it it was kind of interesting and now it looks like we've got uh yet another fictional foreign country in an uproar because and this is something that um you know, our buddy or our our uh, hero Dan Carlin mm-hmm. has been talking about in some of his Common Sense the fact that the United States is knowingly meddling in the affairs of countries by manipulating their press and manipulating their social media. I mean, this is stuff that's open information. This is stuff that absolutely we're doing. And Sorkin is is postulating that we uh, that the United States managed to start a riot over bullshit. That got thirty-eight people killed, including like three children. So there's another there's another dilemma because okay. that's one of the uh, top secret documents that got dumped dumped on them. What's the other dilemma? We got the financial dirty dealings see in. We mm-hmm. got uh, Deb Patel possibly being in prison for yep. espionage. We got the United States uh, covertly fucking up foreign journalists and foreign social media to incite riots. And, and it's also um, them kind of struggling
0: with new media. That's mm. kind of the other dangling thread that we talked
1: about. And will Will and Mac be able to resolve the f- crazy struggle between nine bridesmaids and Will having no friends? And will he yeah, be able to. Yeah, f- fuck that. Will he be forced to eat Band Aid flavored bacon for the rest of his <laughs> life? Yeah. And- I don't care about well, that. Will Maggie, Jim, and Dev Patel have another fucking love triangle? Uh, I, I, will Will Sloane stay with her douchebag boyfriend? <laughs> I mean, I that stuff like no, it's it's worthless. And Zorkin's just bad at it. Yeah, like this show is at its best when the
0: stakes are very high, and that means telling the world about the news
1: yeah discovering news i would really like to know how he really feels about men and women in relationships okay because anytime he touches on that shit it just makes me like um (laughs) my god like will's already not even married and he's already just his life is being run by this woman yeah and all he can do is bitch and moan about it can't even eat what he wants to eat man no and he's not fat Nope. as far as I know I mean he smokes he probably he smokes has like heart he's disease, on fire but... and yeah but you know what the <laughs> fu- what the hell uh so w- uh I was surprised how funny the episode was it seemed like Sorkin had so much shit backed up that he had one of his favorite things to do in this episode was to have two cast members delivering Sorkin monologues at high volume at, at each the other, same time so you couldn't actually understand I don't like that I thought it was funny both it's, times it happened
0: mm, i don't like it i I like there's so much good dialogue in this show that i kind of want to hear it mm. when it happens and then like i'm sure there are funny things happening but it's unintelligible mm. so like i i just didn't it's not my cup of tea okay but I, I get why people would think it's funny sure uh what else do you have to say about the show I, i'm i'm back invested in this show again i'm kind of glad i skipped season two Season 2 with is the way better, way you than season described one. it. Really? Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean cuz the thing is is he like I don't need girl with the dragon tattoo
1: losing her mind throughout the season. But it kind of was cuz she was so annoying in season 1. She I, was, yeah. It, and it it sounds like I'm a terrible person, but I was honestly really enjoying everyone getting kind of their a little bit of mm. reality injected into their cuz cuz these people are so pompous and self-important yeah in season Uh, one certainly yeah and i think that's still the weakness of the show like there's a lot of good stuff here that i think and and we're probably gonna talk about john oliver a little bit too okay we can do that so same thing this show is broadly liberal slash progressive in its worldview however it tackles a lot of subjects that should be important to conservatives and liberals and everybody you know corruption in media corruption in the government uh c- corruption yeah in in our like our, our in journalistic standards that stuff is important for everybody because else how are you yeah. going to stay informed and and have a, a productive say in your government i i just don't see how you watch this as anyone that's it has a serious conservative bent it's almost insufferable sure yeah it's and, and as someone approached. who has some conservative bins here and there I, I tolerate it, but, like, the fact that Will is supposedly a Republican is ludicrous. <laughs> is absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, maybe. I'm sure there are
0: Republicans out there uh, who are similar to him, but they're very few
1: and far between, right? Sure. I mean, he's like Aaron Sorkin's idea of how a re- good Republican should, should be. Which he, is just pretty as, much, yeah. Which is just as valid as having, like... Uh, Adam uh Baldwin's idea of what a good Democrat should be. <laughs> you know?
0: Okay. Yeah, why not?
1: Anyway, uh okay, we can move on from the newsroom. I might check in with it. Maybe. I don't know. I'm gonna be watching it because I think, I I think it's too. super entertaining, but I don't know if we'll be checking in on it. yeah Dave we'll Grohl's see. Sonic Highways. Sonic Highways. So I'm a huge Dave Grohl fan. I uh, am a Nirvana Days. I am a minor, I'm a lowercase All right. foo fighter fan
0: okay uh so i i've i have a lot of respect for this guy and sure. his his dedication to his music
1: uh he's been doing this for since he's shit. like 11 years old since, apparently since i've been alive basically his first concert sir, uh so i saw the chicago one and only the chicago one you've okay. seen how many i saw of them? chicago
0: i saw dc and i saw part of nashville i turned nashville off that bad uh I, I just didn't feel like he was into it, like the band was into it. Interesting. And, and when they started going through and pointing and saying, I have no fucking clue who those people on the wall of the Grand Ole Opry are, I'm like, oh, God.
1: Kind of like when we're like, out we have no fucking clue who the people on this television show is. People just start switching off the podcast. It's, Pretty much, why, yeah. Why are we listening to these guys? <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> it, yes, kind of. Um, so I have an enormous amount of respect for Dave Grohl and his dedication to music. Uh and it shows in the first couple of episodes. He knows who the people in the scene are. He has lived oh, or God. worked in
1: the area. Uh he he loves punk music, you can tell. Yeah, that's I think that was interesting that he played at a prominent punk venue with a uh, a, a true boy band. Like I think the oldest member was thirteen. Yeah. When he was eleven. Uh huh. <laughs> and it's somehow on television. Yeah. How does like, that happen? I don't know. And it's funny because they actually sounded like a credible punk band until their front man opened his mouth, and you could tell he hasn't been through puberty <laughs> yet. And I'm like, how is this stuff not booed off stage?
0: Well, I mean, that's the thing. At the time, it was just... The punk was like this really solid community where you're punk, I'm punk, let's be punk together, you know?
1: Can I... Can I say another thing that you just brought up that really set my teeth on edge? Sure. The word scene. And how many times the word scene and people in the scene and the scenesters were, were used. It's like one of those things where I just... I just want to roll my eyes. Like, there's... You know, the scene in Chicago at the time was only really 70 people, and, and 60 of those people were in bands. I'm like, oh, God, so it's everybody... I just imagine a chain of 60 hipsters with their heads up each other's ass, like in a, like a, a uh-huh. human centipede eating its own tail. Man, scene... So, when Dave Grohl that's, says
0: scene, uh-huh. I don't think he means the scene that you're
1: I'm pretty, pretty you're sure he inferring.
0: does. I'm pretty sure he does. He... Uh, Scene has, t- has gotten a negative connotation in a lot of people's minds, yes, because mm. of, you know, scene. Like, scene is kind of its own genre now, mm. which is weird. It's it's like this not-quite-emo sort of hipster Sure, but there's been a
1: scene. Ever, I mean, like, you know, the... Uh, but he's
0: just using it to describe the community in a specific area around yes, specific music. Yes, that's how I'm using it, too. Specific I, music.
1: I feel like scenesters have always been idiots and assholes. Like, you go back to the 70s, and you go back to the 80s with the, the rock bands and all that. It's just, eh. Not my not my scene. Okay. All right. Like, I'm just, that's the other thing. Like, when I was watching the show, I realized how not in the music I am.
0: That's what I think is the main problem here. Like, I've
1: yeah. never seen a rock and roll documentary, even on bands huh. like I'm wildly f- 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 popular. Uh, I mean, I'll go see concerts, um, but I don't really... Like, in television, I love hearing how it's made. I love hearing influences. I love hearing the, about the production details. Music, I just enjoy it at a very surface level. I like it in my ear holes. Huh, okay. I don't really give a shit about what the artist was thinking or doing or whatever uh, when they're writing it. Interesting. I don't know why that is. But, I, I'm not uh, defending I'm, it or saying that's the sure. way it'd be, either.
0: No, and it's just, you know, everybody's going to have a different level of attachment to specific things. Uh, Dave Grohl clearly has a solid attachment to music. Um, he's been doing it his entire life. And it comes through, I think, in this documentary, especially when he's talking about punk and early kind of alternative rock, as he calls, as some people call
1: it. Um, but that's, see, that's, I feel like that's yet another weakness is that, yes, he's clearly enthused about that, but the other stuff where he's talking about like Chicago, for example, and they're talking about, um, Muddy Waters, Muddy Waters, buddy guy yeah. and all those early influences. He doesn't have much to say or anything. I mean, the interviews with those guys I thought were interesting, but does isn't much to say. And when we finally got to the point of the documentary, which is the lead up to the song it was supposed to be inspired by Chicago. Yeah. It's a fucking Foo Fighters song. It is. Where Dave Grohl has put two or three inserted lyrics to nebulously reference the the culture that he doesn't really know much about of this city. Like, yeah, talking about being baptized in the muddy waters, and I came looking for a dime and I found a quarter, which is uh, the buddy guy quote. That's it. That's that's, a fucking
0: awesome line, but you're right. It, It doesn't feel like the music itself is inspired by the city yeah because he then goes to dc and plays roughly the same song he goes to nashville he plays roughly the and, same song and they song. do
1: have in the studio sessions they do have some session players from uh yeah, and yeah. That, that's cool like who do they have in chicago uh, Was the the
0: fucking guitarist from cheap trick yeah yeah uh, yeah i forget whose his name, name i don't remember uh so, but then they have steve albini who is the the famous producer from chicago who produced like an early nirvana sure. record and it was and, in utro right uh yeah, yeah. I guess it wasn't an early Nirvana record, it was well, one a of second, the follow up one, right? Well, there was Bleach, which was before Nevermind and Nevermind, oh. and then in Utero was after that. You know so much more about music than I do. Dude, but... ninety four? I yeah. th- Nirvana was the shit.
1: Sure. Like I, I could not get enough. Nirvana. I had it in my sixth disc changer. I just didn't, <laughs> you know. Uh and that's what yeah. like of the six songs I can play on guitar, four of them are Nirvana songs. Yeah. Yeah. They're very <laughs> some of it is very easy to play. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh,
0: and I've I've just always been into music. Like I was taking piano lessons when I was six years old, and got into guitar when I was early no, teens. No, you, you and, and your
1: brother have always been musical prodigies, as far as I can tell. I'm not a prodigy, but yeah, I'm, you are. You just
0: I just practiced a lot.
1: You just failed to live up to <laughs> your potentials. What you've done, <laughs> you're
0: right. You're absolutely right. Uh, so I, so this kind of stuff really gets me going, right? Yeah, like no, I, I, I totally I'm a fan of music and yeah. how it's made, and but I feel like you're right. The, the the whole concept is we're going to make an album. We're going to go around to each city. Like, we're I'm going to get seeped yeah, in this culture. I'm going to see city. what comes out. The problem is they only spend a week in each city. And that is not enough time to steep yourself in the culture. And I think the
1: documentary exposes this. Because it it's clear that he comes into each city with a song pre-written. Yeah. Lyrically, because like from day one they're actually showing the licks and stuff that they've come up with. There's yeah. no like collaboration. It's and then at the very end of the episode, you can see him whip out a a, a notepad for a show and scratch a few, a very few lyrics that makes a, a tenuous connection to that scene. To me, I was expecting like I, 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 the fact that they were only in each city for a week, that's basically long yeah. enough to get the track down. I was yeah. really expecting them to go and spend like a, a a couple months doing this. Me too and really collaborating with some local talent and and you'd have like you know maybe a bluesy sounding for like what would a bluesy foo fighter foos fighter i just they, turned done
0: that's the thing <laughs> foo fighters have so so much diversity in their sound
1: yeah yeah sure it's just not on display in any of these first few songs right which is very surprising given the material
0: yeah and i feel like maybe they're doing some weird stuff with the documentary where okay we know we've got x amount of episodes to do we're gonna walk you through we're gonna get more in depth on the process as we go along Mm -hmm. And, and maybe we're just not seeing the stuff that they wrote while they were there the the collaboration the music because later on in a couple uh in in like the nashville episode they hook up with some fucking crossover star he's not even a he's not even a country star like uh
1: so chris great gains the
0: alter ego remember. no of, uh, no 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 it's it's of this Garth guy's. Brooks. this guy's doing like, taylor's cover covers of inner sandman and like oh okay that's not country music this guy's not playing country he's a crossover artist who is more into rock than he is into country as far as i can tell but there they get into kind of the collaboration process and they're, cla- they're working with you this you guy classify, to write a song. Classify
1: like Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash That's gets, a good question. gets away with doing that shit? He he has a very country sound. He's
0: the the whole point they make in Nashville is that he the the point of country music is the story. So like the song, like crafting a good song is important, but the story is really what makes your country music song mm. good. And Johnny Cash had that in spades, right? Mm. I mean, shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. It's a hell of a lyric. It tells you so much about what
1: that story is about. Who doesn't like Johnny Cash? No one. And that's why Johnny Cash can record Hurt. Yeah. And Rusty Cage and all that shit. And nobody, it doesn't seem like a stunt. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I'm not totally sold on this. I think
0: it's, it doesn't have as much heart as, like, Sound City had which is the the documentary he produced before on their last album where they went and they produced in this very famous studio, which they recorded a lot of Nirvana albums in. Mm. Um, and I think maybe Nevermind itself. Uh, but it was a super famous studio. Stevie Nicks recorded there, like tons of people. Uh-huh. And that, you felt the heart. You felt like Dave Grohl knows this studio, he knows this music, and this is the history of this studio. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like this is a little more watered down.
1: Really, this feels like it would be better served that they just divorced it from the Foo Fighter album and just had Dave Grohl, yeah, like uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson hosting Cosmos style an introduction to musical history from yeah. all over the United States. That get, would be get something Dave cool. Grohl on a starship of the mind or whatever <laughs> a guitar it's called. of the mind <laughs> or
0: a, dra- a snare drum of the mind. Yeah, and and you can have like uh, the, the fuck. What is the calendar called? Uh, the calendar of creation, uh, like or like the calendar of the cosmos, or yeah, something. Yeah, cosmic calendar. The cosmic calendar. Yeah, you could have like the cosmic scale
1: where Dave <laughs> Grohl is playing up. Yeah, this is when jazz was invented <laughs> in 1873. The A sharp is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh But yeah, because that stuff I thought was interesting. Every time they got down to just, you know, I guess recording the album, like the la- which is the last 15 minutes, it seems like of every episode. I only watched yeah. the one, but it seems like these are clearly formulaic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the first like five minutes is talking dave's personal connection to the city which some cities yeah. at least it seems like he's kind of tenuously connected In nashville to. he has no connection right, right right and then you've got 30 and he minutes. says it
0: he walks into that guy's studio and says i've never heard one of your songs
1: let's produce your record what right <laughs> what <laughs> right so that's like that's that's reality tv stuff it feels like it yeah yeah so What's your overall – how many How many episodes are there, like 10? There are so far four. I don't know how many there are
0: going and to be. And you've seen
1: three of them? Seen three. The next one is Austin, which could be interesting. Austin because... is – Austin's an interesting town. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like it's such a mongrel town, too. Um, uh, I wonder what – what it, of its own identity it has. I don't know. I mean, they got the Austin City Lights and like –
0: I've a, never been there. Uh, yeah, the Austin City
1: Lim- Limits. Or Limits, yeah. I, I think – They've got a lot of really cool festivals and things going on there, and it's a huge art yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. Scene, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I might tune in to hear that one as well. Yeah. I, I kind of was really interested in Nashville because I hear he like interviewed like Dolly Parton and some yeah. of these others, and I always think she's a hoot. So <laughs> I might go back and watch some of this, but it's definitely going to be like with fast forward in mind because oh, okay. there's a lot of things I can just tell I don't give a shit about.
0: Like the songs he come up comes up with are badass. I love Foo Fighter songs, but sure they don't seem to have much what to do did you think the of the something from nothing that was the one in Chicago yeah I love that song really okay Yeah. the way that song builds is phenomenal I mean you start off with Dave Grohl singing singing mm-hmm. you start and then you end up with Dave Grohl fucking screaming sure. and and it's it just pumps you up and that very very simple like duh, duh, duh,
1: uh,
0: duh, uh, duh, yeah. duh, that's so simple but it's so powerful too and, I, I, and I don't know why.
1: I thought it's a good song. It's a good kind of like, you know, sports arena ready. Like I can see that on the uh, as as one of the cover music for Madden 16 next year. <laughs> okay. Um cool. but I guess the whole time I was watching it, I was and i never heard it before. Has, has oh, that already okay. been released? Yeah, that's on the radio. Okay. Well, I like when I listen to the radio. Right. It's on Spotify's <laughs> Top 100. I might hear it there, Jim. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but anyway, it's like I was just waiting for the, the influences. And I was trying to listen for the influences, and there just wasn't. So I guess I, I felt yeah. like uh, it was a weird experience for me to be looking and just waiting. It's like, oh, there's really li- literally only two or three... Verses, not even verses. What do you call one line in a verse? Lines, lines, two or three lines reflecting the material I saw in the previous 50 minutes.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. You're
1: right. So, anyway, should we talk John Oliver or Olive? Whoa, I'm I'm confused. John Oliver, Olive, Olive Kitteridge. Let's let's talk all of it. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) all of the Olivers, Uh olives and Olivers. Uh, Let's talk about John Oliver because I've not seen okay, so. John Oliver's first season was a successful experiment. Hell yeah. I was concerned watching the first couple ones. And I still think his show is weak when it's trying to do like a cornucopia or several topics, several weak topics. His show is best when he takes nearly the full half hour to just plow into a, a single thing in depth. Yep. And there's also a lot of things like... I just saw. I haven't seen them all. I haven't seen the finale. But last night, I I managed to squeeze in the one with uh, Nick, uh, Ron Swanson, Nick Offerman. Oh yeah, yeah. That was an awesome bit. Uh huh. But like Saturday, like many Saturday night Live ones, it way overstayed its welcome. Like yeah, I think so. And they had the uh, what's it? H. John Benjamin, the guy that does the voice for Archer and Bob's Burgers when was he on he was the he was the husband
0: no yes. that guy That's, is you archer didn't
1: recognize archer's voice huh i know he looks like a hedgehog yeah he doesn't look anything no, like those no characters. he does not holy shit no. no he does not no the visual was throwing me off i didn't even no it imagine. totally especially when you start talking about his mother um i got a huge archer vibe which that, archer's wow. about the fixing to come back in january i think oh, i can't wait uh, did you get to Archer Vice last year? Uh, not all of it. I yeah, got through like half of it. I, I think uh I, for, I think the the springtime madness hit in and yeah. uh, I lost track the last three or four episodes. But I hear they're going back and rebooting it back to the spy show. All right. perfect. Yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> I just like that show. Um, yep. so so that like that's a perfect example of a skit that was like six or seven minutes long that could have been a nice tight four or five. And a lot yeah, of the things where they do pre produced stuff, like I felt the same way about, uh, I forget who was running against Mitch, was it Mitch O'Connell, the turtle down in Kentucky? Uh, there there was a, hmm. a young woman running against him in, in the Senate or the, the House, I'm not even sure which, I'm such an informed voter. Uh, but they did this Cole thing where they're like, you know, dueling Cole, you know, Cole's good commercials. um, Okay. And, like, what she's going to do to the the coal, And it just felt like it just went on for, for way too long. But then the yeah. stuff he's done about law enforcement and the militarization of her police and drug policy... Yep. I, and and even the stuff like taking down the Miss America pageant. Net neutrality. And, expo- like, and net neutrality he did yeah. a good job on. Um, I, and that's another thing where this show is extremely liberally biased. Sure. However... It's kind of a shame that that it would 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 turn right leaning people off because some of the things he touches on, like the way our police operate and how we treat people in prison and how uh, you y- like like the thing he, he did on the state legislature where how much important yeah. stuff happens at the state level. And Nobody no one has any idea. <laughs> yeah is is shocking and i think every every american should know about that stuff and
0: all the people who are running completely unopposed or yes were in in the election yes yeah it's like uh, all these people are saying point. racist horrible shit and no one's running against them they yeah. will not be voted out. Like he's calling the election already for them, like yeah. two weeks before a, it happens. That
1: was a, that was a shock, and he's very good at that. He uses these yeah. people as examples of buffoons. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this one woman has this incredibly racist rant. There's one guy has an incredibly insensitive thing to say about poor people. Another guy saying that uh, we, you know, Islam should is a scourge, a plague on humanity, it should be nuked off the globe. And I'm not running away from that. And you're thinking, oh, these are guys have put their foot in it. And they got ousted out. He closes a segment Mm -hmm. 10 minutes later revealing that these people actually ran unopposed and he can call the race. Yeah. And it's, it's It's so amazing.
0: It's, it, it shows like it's shocking. It's shocking. That's the way he presents his information shocks you into realization that this stuff is so fucked up. We need to do something about it. And then a lot of times he'll have a call to action. Yeah. Which I think is phenomenal. Like with the net neutrality stuff. Uh, he said like contact the FCC here and tell them mm-hmm. uh, what you think of them right all that stuff he's very good at those call to, calls to action
1: I thought that in like he had I think there's this like Mike Doss uh, he was a senator in in the state of uh, Illinois mm-hmm. and they show a clip of him like standing up and he's got a bill in hand he's like where are all these damn bills coming from I'm so sick of this last minute crap how can uh-huh. I represent my people when there's just all these bills? And and he just set it up as like, well, he's a sympathetic character, but he's just having a full on meltdown. And he's screaming. Yeah. And John Oliver's kind of making fun of me. And me and Cecily are like, damn, I kind of want that guy representing me. Uh huh. He seems like he's standing for the common people. I don't think John Oliver did a great job of connecting the dots. But I, after the show is over, I researched that guy. He's actually famous for gutting illinois's pension programs and retirement accounts and oh, he's wow. actually fucking the people huh but when and in fact the people the person he was running against used that as an example of a negative campaign ad like do we really want this guy in washington yeah. that guy won in a landslide because people ignorant of the facts like myself just saw this guy as a fighter and we want that guy in washington well if he's fighting against you you're kind of you're kind of fucked sure and um, man i don't know how you solve that, that problem with the american democracy
0: that that ties like right back into the newsroom right
1: yeah like the
0: media will focus on look at this guy's crazy rant yeah uh he must be an asshole even if he were doing good things that's not what they're going to focus on so you're going to say i don't I, either I don't want that guy in office because he's a lunatic or yeah. he's a fighter for the people I want him in office Like right. it's all spin right. and it, it's all contextual and if you don't do enough research and you don't get the facts you can't tell the full story and, and people can't be informed enough to make their own choices
1: yeah but I mean I don't the, the the other interesting thing about the American form of government is because I I got in debate uh, debate about this on Facebook with our friend Ian. Mm-hmm. Um, you uh, know a lot. There's some people that say like, well, if you're not informed, you should stay away from the ballot. Sure, you know, and it's a way to like discourage people from voting. On the other hand, the one benefit of our broke ass two party system in the United States is that it's very easy to make snap decisions about candidates. Like, broadly speaking, if you want certain things emphasized, you vote Republican. If you want certain other things emphasized or are important to you and protected, you vote Democrat. So you don't need an incredible amount of nuance or understanding of the issues to just go there and vote a straight party ticket. And mostly you're going to be acting in your best self-interest. That's the only thing that's good about a two-party system because everything else about it is terrible. And, in fact... (laughs) <laughs> when you really start thinking about it, you there's yeah. Anyway, I'm I yeah. It's depressing when you start
0: thinking in depth about
1: it. But the fact that there's there was many many people on media saying you know kind of subtly discourage people that are they're uninformed from voting in midterm elections, which almost no one votes in anyway. Um, it, it's I don't know. I just that didn't sit well with me. Sure.
0: Uh, but anyway, I, I really like John Oliver's show. There are some speed bumps that he hits every once in a while. Yeah. Um, Make some mistakes uh the the stuff he does with like live bits where it's raining balloons or confetti or some shit and there's uh-huh. a unicorn dancing around those those things aren't interesting to me um, or they're not particularly
1: the, funny yeah where he had the like 100 scientists on the the stage yeah another thing it took like six that that's a bit that's a sight gag yes and the, now you turned it into a 60 second
0: segment yeah too much um so th- those are kind of the speed bumps along his road but i think when he he knuckles down and he takes on a topic. There is no more effective show than John Oliver for getting a point across uh, a v- very important point.
1: Yeah. And like again, I think that a lot of Americans regardless of political affiliation need to get behind some particular things like net neutrality might be one, uh, yeah. what to do about the overreach of power of our, of our police and the resultant, yeah. How the the war on drugs has really destroyed American civil liberties for everyone um and I just wonder I wonder if there is a market for a truly moderate show that like I don't I'm think not so. going to get into the, the the part partisan parts of this I'm only going to talk about things that everyone can agree on like we need to somehow get money out of politics okay there's a 0.1% of the population that doesn't want that to happen but yeah. everybody else it seems very unfair that uh, you know they can they can disproportionately for very little money in in their grand scheme of things affect politics especially at yeah. the state and local level it's oh, yeah. it's amazing how little money it takes to buy off someone sitting on the the this like your state um representative branch or yeah, your state man. your state senate. When he did what was it, the Michigan
0: um dollars like election? Like that shit was so fucked up. Mm-hmm. The the stuff he did about the unions and like I, I couldn't believe like I, I remember hearing about it at the time and going oh man Michigan is going to lose some rights for their workers probably and thinking that's a bad thing but I didn't realize how deep it went I mean when you're talking about the Koch brothers getting involved and the the top the top ten nine of the lobbying groups are Republican and the only uh, lobbying group in there that is not is the unions and now you're squeezing them out not allowing them to lobby that doesn't leave any room for dissent
1: uh, and that that kind of shit is scary. Sure. And you wonder why why it is that the Democrats have been so badly outmaneuvered.
0: Uh well, there's a lot of money on sure. the Republican side. I don't I don't that
1: think helps. I, I, I truly don't believe there's a massive spending advantage that the Republicans have. I feel like that there's just as much money out there for Democrats. It's just not for whatever reason, it's mm-hmm. it the Democrats never feel to me, as a moderate, like they're as passionate about their core things and their core, the things that the core constituency wants as the Republicans are. The Republicans always seem very unified and on point yeah. in the message and organized in a way that Democrats, every once in a while, they get a grassroots enthusiasm, but it's an enthusiasm thing, which is very ephemeral. Mm-hmm. It's not like deep core convictions or, you know, something that they're passionate about or something they're afraid of. It's just, I don't know. Yeah um i'm not sure why that is <laughs> we're not going to solve it on this sure podcast. sure uh but yeah I, I really like john oliver's show a lot well let's move on to olive kitteridge okay so olive kitteridge is a show uh it was an it, it, it's a it was a four-hour miniser- miniseries it just wrapped up uh it's based on a novel uh by elizabeth strout and it's set in maine it starred francis mcdormand which you know as uh marge gunderson from fargo okay. the tv the the movie series god damn it almost fucked it up yeah uh and it's got richard jenkins as her husband uh, richard jenkins is a bob newhart look-alike almost is how i i describe him okay it's got bill murray in the oh. la- in, in the last two chapters the there last two go. installments One of my favorite comedians have you seen revolutionary road with leo no. dicaprio and kate winslet uh uh-uh. it's 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 kind of like a less depressing, warm-hearted version of that. But there, it's 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 you're looking at 20 years of these people's marriage, okay. and she's kind of like a some kind of borderline narcissist personality disorder, and he is just a relentlessly positive, cheerful guy who loves her, okay. and she is cruel to him. Uh, she's cruel to her son uh she's very kind to people with like various people she meets with mental problems she seems like in in a way that's kind of horrifying to us today she's got this kind of you know brisk no-nonsense way of dealing with like depression or, or uh, in her way she's got a a, a good way of, of handling these people but kind of sorta I'm, I'm having a hard time describing this um okay like she finds out that a young man is going to commit suicide, and she reaches out to him, invites her in her home, and make and and, and without saying a word, invites him to throw a shotgun and a bullet into his lake to saves his life. but she also her her uh, way of dealing with a woman who's profoundly depressed is to just basically go in there and say, "You need to get up, you need to get moving. you need to cook. What are you going to cook? You're going to cook peas all right. <laughs> You know, it's like there's Some right. things it just seems like she's not super aware of uh, of of what it means to be clinically depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is, what is interesting. this show about? Relationships. Okay. And there's this. In, they set up this thing where in the first hour, both her husband and her are seriously contemplating uh, being unfaithful. Together, like they're talking about it, or no, 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 separate scenes. It's it's all subtext. They're both, they're both aware of it. Like she, he's aware that he's, she's getting, she's, she's a junior high math teacher. Okay, (laughs) he's aware that she's getting an improper relationship with this French poetry spouting English teacher. Okay. I, I, God, I thought you were going to say one of her students. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no and, what? And, and she's kind of aware that he's got this infatuation with this 20-something mousy little girl who's got this very cute husband um, that he okay. works at her pharmacy. Uh-huh. Because in the first scene, like, his old, his his extremely old pharmacy assistant slips on ice or has a heart attack outside <laughs> his store and dies. Jeez. Um but then how they work through that and mm-hmm. how that really, you know, and, and throughout the whole thing, because it's like each each episode jumps forward like five years in time. Huh. So okay. you see this boy and what he observes and how he behaves, and then you see him as a teenager, and then you see him as a early 20-something who's getting married to, he's a podiatrist now, and he's getting married to another doctor, and then you see five mm-hmm. years later, that relationship is ended in a divorce, and... Many many things happened, um, but what really I was not taken, what I was not prepared for, is how much this Olive Kitteridge is my fucking mother. Ooh, that's scary. Like the way she treats the 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 father, her husband, the way she interacts with her son, Ugh. the way like <laughs> n- like she's always tearing down people in this very passive aggressive way. Mm. There's a conversation. In the third installment, that or maybe it's the fourth one, that her son, after he's been through years of therapy, has with her, uh, that is almost word for word a con- one of the last conversations I had with my mom, except for there's a lot more terms like sovereign Lord Jehovah thrown around in my <laughs> conversation. Other other uh-huh. than that sub subtext, it was word for word, and it was oh. I, it it in a weird way, I feel like it's done a lot to kind of heal. I mean, I'm not oh. super bitter about this, and yeah, yeah, in 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 many ways, I kind of cope with my life by, for all intents and purposes, pretending like my mother's dead. Okay, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it was interesting to see a kid who was kind of more of a shit than I ever was. I think <laughs> um, right. you think, yeah. But maybe not. But uh, it's kind of see this this adult that's a lot like me struggle with almost identical issues. Yeah. And I felt like if you don't have a parent that's like a massive raging narcissist or delusional, um, you probably I I can't imagine liking this because it's just so raw. The 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 terrible things that these characters say to each other. But then there's also these like moments where. Like, ridiculous moments. Like, at one point in one of these chapters, they get in a hostage situation at a hospital. And they're screaming at each other as being taken hostage, like, these last 15 years <laughs> of stuff fuck? that they've never talked about, like the almost affairs and all this stuff. All right. And then they end up just cracking each other up because of how absurd it is. And that yeah. felt like I can remember my mom and dad doing that, like, just screaming at each other and then laughing. I don't know. So, so you're
0: saying the HBO is betting... That there are so many damaged people out there, that this show's yeah. going to be a success. And
1: that's the thing, like, <laughs> like what what do you got? There's a character that's got what you got. All right. There's a character who grew up with a crazy mother. There's a character that grew up with a crazy a mother to kill herself. There's a character that grew up with a father to kill herself. There's a character that grew up, uh, you know, I, I just so many things. Jesse Plemons, Todd from Yeah Yeah Breaking Bad is on is in there in a. I, I don't know how but he managed to pull it's like he snatches asshole from the jaws a nice guy that seems like <laughs> what he has put on earth to do as an actor awesome you think this guy is a relatable sympathetic simple-minded so nice, yeah, guy yeah. and then he turns into a fucking monster um nice. i can't say good things about it i was enthralled the whole time i polished it off i watched the first episode one evening and I was like, yeah, this seems pretty good. And then I just mainline the last three episodes are in there, a single evening. How many episodes are there four. are there gonna be? Just four. That's it? It's done? Yeah, it's done. Oh, it's over. Wow. Okay. And they do the thing like they do that thing like American Beauty style. They open up with a scene of her as an old woman. Mm-hmm. And the aging makeup that they do with uh uh Francis McDar- McDormand is amazing. It's like uh, they, they, uh, they show her Brad like
0: Brad Pitt in Benjamin Button. Yeah, yeah. Only better. <laughs> oh, way better because It's like uh what's his fucking name in
1: uh
0: Prometheus? Shit, what is his name?
1: Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy Guy, Guy- Pierce. 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 Yeah, yeah. Better than that cuz I think those both of those are pretty shitty old man makeup jobs. All right. But I gasped when I first saw her. I'm like, "My god, Frances McD I remember her uh, being very pretty and like my brother, where art thou? And how long ago was that? Well, no, they're just they're just really. Oh my god, she's aged horribly. No, she looks like she's a seven year old woman. Yeah, yeah, like believably. And nice. um, yeah, no, I was just that that's really amazing. But they open up with her. They aged her like they aged Kate Winslet in Titanic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was her, right? No,
1: no, no, no. Shut the fuck up. Um, no, they. Uh, shit! Now you've derailed me. Sorry. I forget what I was going to say. Oh, they open up with her like laying out a picnic table, turning on this kind of like you know soylent green death music, and loading a single bullet in a revolver, and then it Kay. fades to black. It's very American Beauty. Like yeah, this yeah. is what's happened now. Flashback twenty five years. How do we get there? Yeah, I I don't know. I I it's hard for me to recommend it because it's such a it it, it came for me at a very specific place. Yeah, but I also think if you had any kind of troubled childhood, um it's it's got some interesting things it's got just a, a yeah remarkable that's why performance, american beauty worked for me a remarkable performance by um uh shit what's his name uh i just meant bill murray yeah bill murray does some awesome shit i don't like, know how he fixes projects but he just crushes what he's doing in this in this role yeah i broken flowers is kind of a
0: weird I, movie i haven't um, seen that one it's it's not great all the way through but Bill Murray's performance in that is fantastic. The stuff he's been doing dramatically lately has just really
1: struck me. It's been good. Uh so yeah, uh it's on HBO Go if you got that and it's also being just aired all around on HBO. Uh, okay. I think have we we got through everything we want to talk about? That's it. Yeah.
0: All right. Have we, did, we did more than we set out to talk about.
1: Yeah, cuz I forgot about John Oliver that, yeah. that just wrapped up. Uh well, so don't know when we'll see you back here. Once we have uh, some something more rounds about. in the chamber, yeah, right. I mean, it's it's, it's fall TV is kind of drying up. There's one thing I would like to watch and talk about, which is uh, Constantine. Okay. I actually stayed up late last night to watch. Uh, I I got in like half hour in or 45 minutes in. I was just flipping through, um, ready kind of look for something to go for the sleepy time to. Yeah, and the Keanu Reeves Constantine was on perfect and i'm like oh yeah i, I actually really like this movie you I, I watched it all the way through from that point and i'm like yeah i need to get on that nbc version and see if it's not a total clusterfuck shit man i really want to see john wick yes gotta go see, see that at some wick. point yeah seems yeah. seemed like it's flopped at the box office though really i've but, heard a
0: lot of people giving it critical acclaim though well, that's cool like i mean that's
1: awesome that doesn't frighten me away. i saw i was yeah. like one of the three people in this country to saw 47 ronin so all right sure all right well let's get out of here if you got feedback for this you can hit it up at tv at com. of course you know all the ways that you can support us uh on subable on patreon uh using our amazon affiliate link and if you don't know those things click on the show notes uh and we got links to all those ways yep. and until next time i'm jim and i'm aaron You're obviously a bald move podcast fan, but were you aware of the breadth and depth of our coverage? We cover all your favorite TV shows such as
0: Game of Thrones, 24, American Horror Story, Breaking Bad, Falling Skies, Fargo, The Leftovers,
1: Gotham, House of Cards, Justified, Mad Men, Orange is the New Black, Botwalk, Empire, True Blood, Downton Abbey, The Walking Dead. Thanks, Moira. Fuck you. Pay me. We told you after the Amazon check clears.
0: Get all of this and much more at baldmove.com. Cheap bastards.